Let's pray together. Lord, just as we've been singing, it is our simple prayer this morning that you would come now and speak to us and teach us from your holy word. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this uh, little series is called Enjoying God. But I wonder, have you ever actually thought about this idea of enjoying God? You know, I think sometimes we think about believing in God. We're familiar with that. We think about knowing God, loving God, obeying God, being saved by God, serving God, being loved by God. We think of lots of things about God, but I think that we very rarely actually talk about enjoying God. And I suppose this whole series has to be based around this one question. Do you want to enjoy God? You maybe never thought of it like that before, but do you want to enjoy him? Do you want more of him in your life? Because if you enjoy him, well then you'll want more of him. You'll want more of him in your life. So do you want it? Do you want to enjoy God? And I suppose if you're a Christian here this morning, you might think that the answer to that question should be yes. You know, it's like Sunday school where there is a right answer. Do you want to enjoy God? Yes, yes I do. That's what we're meant to say, isn't it? But I'm not sure that all of us deep down are actually sure that much if we want it. If we're really honest, we're not sure that we want to spend more of our time with God. We see those people, don't we? They're, they're always so full of the joy of the Lord. They're always talking about what they were reading in the Bible this morning or what they're praying about. They're really bubbly and full of the energy of loving Jesus. And we're not sure that we really actually want to be like them. We're not sure that that level of excitement is for us. Or maybe you're here this morning and you're not a Christian. You're here because you're interested or you're here because the kids are here and you've brought them along. And when you look at Christians, you wonder what it is that they've got. What's so good about it? Why do they believe it? Why are they so enthusiastic about God and about this Jesus? Well, wherever you're at this morning, what if I told you that enjoying God was the whole reason you're on this earth? The whole reason God made you. About 375 years ago, it's a while ago, there was a group of ministers and pastors and they met together in London. They were known as the Westminster Divines. But what they met to do was to try and write down just everything that Christians believe. We'd had the Reformation, this had happened, there'd been a lot of changes in the church, and the dust was kind of settling, and at this point their job was to get together and thrash out some documents that say what we believe. And in one of those documents, known as the Shorter Catechism, some of you will have learned this growing up, but the very first question in it is this, what is the chief end of man? Now, the word man refers to all humanity, male and female. This was the 1600s, which is why they used that language. But what is the chief end of humanity? In other words, why is humanity here? What's it all about? Why did God put us on this earth? And the answer, which I know many of you know, is that man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. It's the reason why we're here. And I think sometimes as Christians, we're good at the, the first bit about glorifying God, but we don't think so much about the enjoying part 
Now, it's not that we're perfect and that we perfectly glorify God all the time, but we kind of understand it. We get that that's what we're meant to do as we worship and as we serve, as we go into our places of work as Christians. We know we're meant to glorify God. But enjoying Him? We don't think much about that. But it is why we were made. It's how it was in the beginning when Adam and Eve were in the garden and they enjoyed God's presence uninterrupted. It's how it will be in the future. Revelation 21 tells us about that new world where there's no pain or sickness or death. All those things that would take our joy away. But it's not just something that was and that will be. It's also how it is for us if we know God now. The Psalms tell us this, they're full of it. Blessed is the one whose sins are forgiven. That's Psalm 32. And the word blessed simply means happy. Happy, it seems a bit glib to say it like that way, but that's literally what the word blessed means. Happy is the one whose sins are forgiven. Happy is the one whose God is the Lord. That's Psalm 144. It's why we're here. It's our purpose. And if we know God, we're meant to enjoy him. We're meant to find true happiness in him. And it can be yours. Yes, really, you. It can be yours. Tim Chester, who's written a little book called Enjoying God, he has said this, Christianity is about a relationship with God, and it is about a relationship with God that brings joy. So I ask you the question again, do you want to enjoy God? I suppose if you're going to give a true answer to my question, it might depend what you actually think about God and about whether you actually like him that much. Now, you might think that's a a bit of a strange way to think about it, whether you like God or not. But I think there are many Christians out there who believe in God and who've put their trust in Jesus who've never thought about it. They don't know whether they like God or not. And the reason that they don't grow in their faith and have more of God in their lives is because that some of the ideas in their head about God are ideas that they don't actually like. They might think of God as an impersonal force, kind of out there somewhere, but not really interested in them. You're not want, going to want to have more of that kind of God in your life. Or for some people, God is simply about a set of beliefs an idea system, a theological system. This is right and this is wrong, and it's God who sets that in stone. You're not gonna want really to spend more time with a God for whom that is the only thing you think about him. Or for some others, and actually I think for many others, God is a ruler, he's a judge, and we can never live up to his standards. So underneath, we always kind of think he's gonna be disappointed in us at the end of the day. But none of those ideas will make us like God very much. And none of these ideas will allow us to have joy in him, to have more of him in our lives. But I think this is true. Christianity is about a relationship with God that brings joy. So I hope you can see whether or not you know God this morning, that enjoying God is what we're made for. And it's possible, it's possible for us to enjoy God to have more of him in our lives, to find true happiness in him. That doesn't mean that you'll always be happy or that life will always be easy, but you will find true joy and happiness in him. Does that sound good? I hope so. I've asked if you want to enjoy God this morning, and if the answer is yes, then I suppose the key question becomes, well, 
How do we enjoy God? And that is what the next eight weeks of this series are going to be about. But to get us started this week, I think there are two big ideas, two big principles that will point us in the right direction. They're probably not what you think, but they'll help us get started and they'll guide our thinking as we go through this series of Bible talks together. And the first idea is the idea of the Trinity. Now you're probably thinking, if I want joy, I don't want to be thinking about theology of the Trinity because that's just downright complicated. But it is where we need to start. It's the idea that God is one, but that God is also three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I realize that it's a bit confusing. Of course it is that God is both one and three at the same time, but the Bible is very clear on both of these points. As God gives the law to his people in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy 6, he begins this way, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Very famous verse, but very clear, God is one. But when we turn to the creation story, it begins to get a little bit more complicated because first of all, we see that in the beginning, God, one, created the heavens and the earth. But there are hints in Genesis that more is going on. A few words later in verse two, it says, the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And then a little bit later on, as God begins to make humanity, he says, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Who's the us, who is the we? Well, there's a hint that there's more in there. And we get the answer later in the Bible. God made us in his image. Well, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. That's in Colossians. And it's confirmed that Jesus was with God in the beginning, but that he also is God. So God is more than one, but God is one. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. So there are at least two. And the Word was God. So God is one. So even though it's hard to get our minds around, we can say it that God is three and God is one. It doesn't mean that God sometimes appears in different forms, that sometimes he appears as the Father, sometimes he appears as the Son, and sometimes he appears as the Spirit. We see this when Jesus is baptized. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. The voice of the Father, the descending spirit, the son in the water. God is one, but God is also three. It's not that he sometimes just appears as the Father, then he comes along in the New Testament as the son and then the spirit. No, all three coexist. Now, if that leaves you a little bit lost this morning, well, take heart because Christians have been trying to explain this for 2,000 years, and I'm not sure that we've really got it. But that's because God is incomprehensible. You might remember that from the autumn. God is incomprehensible. We can't understand him. We can't understand him. He's God, we're human, and that's fine that we can't quite get our heads around who he is, because we're not meant to. But I suppose the question becomes, well, John, why are you talking about this this morning when we're meant to be talking about enjoying God? What, what does this have to do with anything? Well, I think it helps us massively because if we think of God only as one, as this kind of vague person, as God who is out there somewhere, 
then we miss out on what the Father is doing for us, what Jesus is doing for us, and the work of the Spirit in our lives. Again, Tim Chester says, relating to each person of the Trinity involves opening our eyes to the work of each in our day-to-day lives. This is an act of faith. If we don't think about each member of the Trinity, then we won't know God as well. And if we don't know God as well, then, well, we won't enjoy him because you don't enjoy somebody that you hardly know. You don't enjoy a relationship with somebody who you hardly know. But we also miss out if we only focus on one person. If we say, okay, I I don't think of God as an impersonal force, but I think of him as my father, or I think it's all about Jesus, or I, I just live by the Spirit. If we only do one of those things, we also miss out. Some people do that. Some people think, oh, well, I I just think of God as my father. Yes, Jesus, the son, he's died so that I can know God, but he's kind of, you know, done now. We would never say it like that, but in our minds, sometimes we think it. And some people think, okay, I have a relationship with God as my father. And that's true. But if we only think about God, the father, then we probably have this idea in our minds of this judge whose standards we'll never live up to. And that's not healthy, and that's not a relationship that we will enjoy. If we think it's only about Jesus, and some people live like that, it's all about Jesus and how Jesus has changed their lives, and that is all true. But the problem there comes a little bit later on down the line, because if we forget that the Father provides for us and that the Spirit is alive in us, well, then Jesus just becomes kind of a ticket out of hell. That, that's, all, that's all he is because we miss the fuller picture of who God is and what he has done. And if we focus only on the Spirit, then sometimes the danger there is it, comes about, it becomes about what is happening now, what is happening in my life, what God can do for me, what I can achieve, how the Spirit can help me do that. And we forget about the Father and the Son And actually, over-focusing on the Spirit leads us to become selfish. Now, we're not wrong to focus on one. We're not wrong to think about God as as our Father. We're not wrong to say it's, it's all about Jesus. Sometimes we sing in Christ alone, and that's very true, because it is through Him alone that we're saved, and not by anything that we do. But He was sent by the Father in the power of the Spirit. We're not wrong to focus on one of the three, But if we only do that, then we miss out on something, and we miss out on getting to know better, know God better, and if we know him better, we'll enjoy him. So what this series is going to do is we're going to look at different members of the Trinity in different weeks. Sometimes we'll focus on the work of one, sometimes we'll think about two, or even all three. And the idea is that as we do that, as we explore who God is in that way, We'll get to know him better. We'll get to know how he works. We'll get to relate to each person of the Trinity better and we'll enjoy God more. And if something in these coming weeks is new to you, if you think, I I never related to the Spirit in that way before or I never thought about God the Father in that way before, well, it, it doesn't mean you weren't a Christian before, but it does mean that there is more for you in your relationship with God and there's more potential there for you to enjoy God to the full. So the first big idea is that we need to remember that God is three as well as one. But the second big concept that we need to remember is the difference between union with God 
and communion with God. Now, those are fancy terms, but actually what they're talking about is quite simple. Union with God is basically the fact that we are Christians, that we are saved, that we have a relationship with God in the first place. But the important thing about this is that it is not done by us, it is done by God. We read from Galatians 4 a few moments ago, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. We are God's children, and it's done by God. Notice that it was God that sent, not that we asked, not that we invited. We are God's children. It's done by him. Yes, by all means, we have to respond to his love when we become Christians. But the work of it is done by God. So it cannot change, no matter how badly we mess up. You know, sometimes I think we think when we sin again and we feel again, you think, can I really be a Christian? Could God still love me after all that? Well, the answer is yes, because what we do does not affect our union with God one jot, not one tiny bit. He did it. He sent his son. He brought us into his family. But communion with God is how we relate to God, how we experience God, and the joy that we have in him. This is something which is done by God as he's present with us, but it's also something that we have a part to play in. So communion with God is essentially how we experience God. Communion with God is when we thank the Father for all he's given to us. Communion with God is when we confess to the Son our sins and ask him to forgive us. Communion with God is when we ask for the help of the Spirit as we face something in this life and we say, Holy Spirit, can you help me get through this? Sometimes we confuse the two ideas. We wonder when we mess up if we could be a Christian, but our failures don't affect it. We might experience a, a kind of a loss of our experience with God. Our, our communion with God might be affected as we sin. In fact, it probably will be. But it doesn't affect our union with God. It doesn't affect that God loves us. It doesn't affect that we are his children. I'll give you a, an example. Um, let's just say that there's a, there's a father, a human father, and he has two sons, two teenage sons, and one of his sons really loves him. He loves spending time with him. You know, he, he gets up and they make breakfast together in the morning. They love going out and playing golf together uh, after school. And, and, and they just have a really good, healthy father-son relationship. But the other son, he's more of a stereotypical teenager. He's a bit embarrassed by his dad. And, you know, anytime his dad speaks to him, he just kind of grunts in response. Doesn't really want much to do with his dad. The point is that they are both still his sons. Nothing can change that. No amount of the, the grumpy teenager grunting at his father or ignoring him or being embarrassed by him. No amount of that can change the fact that they are father and son, just the same as the son who really loves his father. And this applies to us as Christians because we are all children of God if we trust in Christ. We're united, we have union with God. But one of those two sons has more by way of communion with his father. And so it is for us as we obey, as we follow, as we experience more of God, as we seek to enjoy him more, we'll have more by way of communion with God than if we don't. 
Maybe you're still asking the question, well, is this for me? Well, yes, if you're a child of God, this is for you. We read it in Galatians 4. If you're a child of God, this is your identity, a relationship, communion with all three persons of the Godhead. Here's what verse 6 of chapter 4 says. Because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. Do you see that? Because we are God's children, we have the Spirit of Jesus in our hearts. So that's the Spirit and the Son. And the Spirit who lives in us is the one who calls out, Abba, Father. We're brought into a relationship not only with Jesus, not only reconciled to the Father, not only having the Spirit alive in us. We're brought into a relationship with all three. If you are a child of God, you are called. This is your purpose, to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And if you aren't a child of God this morning, you may be wondering what life is about, what the point of it all is. Let me tell you, you were created to enjoy God. And he called you to be his child, to know this joy now and ultimately forever. And here's what he did. He sent his son. When the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law that we might receive the full rights of sons. This is what the son did for you. God knew that we couldn't enjoy him as we were because the relationship between us and him was broken by our sin. But God wanted us to know him. He wanted us to know the joy of knowing him. So he sent his son into the world to live the perfect sinless life that we couldn't live by ourselves, to die the death that our sins deserve. And on the cross as Jesus died, a great sort of substitution took place. A great change of places took place. A great swap took place. Because the punishment for our sin, that was taken away from us and given to him. And the perfect relationship that he knew with his father, the perfect union that he knew as father, son, and spirit, life to the full, life without end, indescribable joy. What was rightfully his, that was given to us. So can I encourage you today, if you've never done it, come to the cross. Turn away from wherever you're going and come and follow Jesus. Put your faith and trust in him because the Bible says that to those who believe him, to those who receive him and believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God. And there's no greater joy than being a child of God. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the gift that you have given us in Jesus of becoming your children. Thank you that we can know God as our father Jesus as our Savior, and the Holy Spirit as our sanctifier and guide. It is our prayer, Lord, that over the next number of weeks as we think about how we are made to enjoy you, that we would grow in our faith, that we would know more of you in our lives, and that we would be empowered by you to live the way we were created to, to glorify you and to enjoy you forever. In Jesus' name, amen.